Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're going to... So last week, actually, we'll start there. Last week, we talked about 12 signs that could potentially mean that your house, your apartment, your your home, sweet home, your tomb, sweet home could potentially be haunted. Now, one of the signs I obviously did not share or discuss or touch base on was seeing an actual ghost because to me that is the sign. I mean, it does not get any clearer that your house is haunted if you see a bona fide ghost. So, tonight kind of piggybacking on ghosts and the paranormal. I want to talk about kind of getting ready for a potential ghost hunt. Uh, The things that you would need, the things to consider, the things to make an awesome ghost hunting session, if you will. So I, I went through and I have gone on a few ghost hunts where there were amazing experiences Virginia City, and again, I'm not sure why or how it is that I've not done an episode about Virginia City, considering a lot of my very definite ghost hunting experiences happened there, but one of the other most prevalent ghost hunting experiences happened in a, in a, in a castle. Um, well, it's a castle looking place but in reality it was in its heyday a boy's home and very haunted exceptionally haunted so many wonderful and unusual things happened at this this boy's home this former boy's home now a well-known haunted spot so I want to talk about and kind of just give you some tips, some advice, what I have learned from the ones that I've done. And please bear in mind, it has actually been a while. When I was younger, you know, I would you know, put as much as I could together to get myself into these ghost hunts. And I've kind of tapered off because I got married and other things came along and... To be honest, it's it's kind of been a minute since I've had the opportunity to go on another ghost investigation, ghost hunting investigation. So tonight it's about what to do, what to bring, what to wear. I mean, you know, here's my advice to you. If you're getting ready or, you know, are interested and inclined to 
have your own. So one of the things you want to consider is the place, obviously. And I would never recommend going on a ghost hunt or, you know, have a, a, a vest, an investigation on your own. I would always encourage you to have two or three friends and you are familiar with the equipment that we're going to discuss and kind of a, a plan where you're going to set up where, where, who's going to do what and how you have your expectations of everyone's participation and more importantly, you know, time, time of arrival, how long you anticipate, and then time to leave. Now, all these are, I mean, there's just so many factors, but another factor to consider is obviously the place, safety measures. Where are you going to have it? Are you going to have it in the city or is it out in the, in the county or in the country or in the desert? Because obviously those things are things to be of of concern. If you're in a city and you know the city's kind of loud or, you know, the, the venue that you're going to do your investigation and can be a little loud, that is something to consider. Now, with regards to, like, the weather, you may want to reconsider if it's raining. Rain obviously causes noise. And when we talk about doing audio recording, that can contaminate your audio recordings with the rain noise. Snow snow can make a light noise, but more importantly, if you're tracking snow in and out of the venue that you're in, it could cause some puddles, it could cause some problems, it could cause a safety hazard, just something to be aware of. And, you know, nobody likes freezing in the middle of a ghost investigation. That's never fun. So, I mean, the best you can hope for, clear skies. Decent temperatures are generally ideal. When we think about planning for the investigation, one of the things we do have to remember is, you know, attire. Should we dress in layers? What kind of layers? You know, obviously we want to dress something appropriate for the weather. In the wintertime, you know, you want to have gloves that are manageable, gloves that you can touch things with without having to take your gloves off. And... I mean, these are all things to truly consider because I'm a firm believer that 60 degrees in the city is very different from 60 degrees in the county or the desert. In addition to that, you want to consider accessories or things that we add to our clothing. For example, like chains or anything that would make our clothes make a rustling noise. I know for a while there, Jeff... Husband Jeff would have his wallet attached to a chain. And when you're doing an audio recording and you shift or if you're walking through something, the chain itself that's hanging from your clothes can get caught on furniture and knock a table down or a doorknob. And then suddenly you got this fucking door chasing you and then you poop yourself because you think it's a ghost. And so you don't want anything like hanging off your clothes Nothing that will make any type of noise. Because, again, the auto recording, you may not remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was wearing the jacket that likes to make the wrinkling sound. Or my wallet chain. What have you. So, you know, again, you just want to be very considerate of what you're wearing. And this also includes shoes. 
So let's talk about shoes. I would never recommend wearing flip-flops in a ghost investigation. So, I mean, guys, gals, future ghosts, if something starts to chase you or if you start chasing something, flip-flops will be a regrettable decision. I promise you this. It's just you're running around in a building that you may or may not be familiar with. And, you know, it's generally, for the most part, tend to be outside or what have you. And you definitely want to wear shoes that are comfortable to walk in or stand in for several hours because, in theory, ghost investigations goes on for three, four, five, six hours. And more importantly, flip-flops will not be the best thing to protect your feet with. And nothing ruins a ghost hunt faster than stepping on an unseen nail and then suddenly you got to go to the ER and get some damn shot. And it's just all drama. So wearing really good but comfortable covered shoes is definitely something I highly, highly recommend, especially if there's a lot of debris. You know, I, I'm certain you guys have seen some of the investigations online even YouTube videos where there's just a ton of debris because the ghosts or the poltergeist or whatever entity is there has thrown and destroyed furniture or some of the property buildings falling apart. You just don't always, especially if you're doing a night investigation, you don't always see what's on the ground. Now, again... <laughs> You got to think all about the chase. You've got to outrun somebody or somebody's outrunning you. Flip-flops are not your best friend. So now that we're wearing something comfortable, let's talk about equipment. Because equipment can't be just as essential to an excellent ghost investigation as comfortable clothing. And we're going to kind of start with something from the, the most simplest form of equipment. And we will go to the extreme of the most complex. So one of the major things I kept seeing on people's suggestions list is, believe it or not, a simple pen and paper. Piece of paper, pen, pencil, and for the obvious reasons. You want to be able to take notes. You might see something and you want to sketch it real quick. Or, you know, you have questions for the owners that you might be in touch with later you just never know so documentation drawings questions or just some type of notation or thoughts that you kind of just want to jot down to jog your memory when you you know discuss the investigation later now one of the things i do highly recommend obviously especially at night are flashlights and i mean actual flashlights I personally don't recommend using your mobile phone flashlight as the main source of light because you don't want to drain your cell phone battery. And, I mean, you don't. So many things can go right in your investigation just as much as so many things can go wrong. And being able to reach out and either asking for help or kind of you know, finding somebody or needing to get a hold of somebody for whatever reason, emergency or otherwise, is essential. Obviously, in a pinch, you know, a quick, you know, let me just turn this on super quick for an extra lighting, you know, no problem. But I do actually have another reason why I don't recommend using your battery so quickly that we will touch down in, in the future. 
Now, with the flashlight, I also highly recommend carrying extra batteries. You never know. Maybe the pack you purchased was not a good patch, or maybe the batteries have been in there forever. You just don't remember the last time you checked or switched them out. And in addition to a stationary flashlight, I do also recommend some source of a mobile light. By that, I mean like it's on you, it's attached to you, it moves with you. And when you're in the dark, it's hard working with just one flashlight. So having a light that moves with you, a second source of light would, in my opinion, be very beneficial. And and it's always practical, if not helpful, to kind of have as much light, even in, in, in the dark. I mean... You know, you might have outside lighting kind of peering in, but that's not always going to be the case, especially if you are in a building that's pretty isolated and or in the middle of the desert or the country and there isn't any street lights. Now, moving up the list, let's talk digital voice recorders. I highly recommend that you purchase one, that you bring one, bring a couple actually, but the one that you carry with you, and I do recommend everybody who's a part of the investigation have their own, or there's a stationary one in each room you anticipate investigating in, simply because that way you have a consistent recorder. Now, prior to your investigation, I recommend you purchasing one that um, is easy to maneuver, easy to use, and learn how to use it. Read the instructions. Take the time to get comfortable with the buttons. Learn how to use it because, again, in the dark, it can be a, a major pain in the ass if you don't remember what the buttons do or what buttons do, does what. And, you know, again, if it's too high-tech or hooty but fluty and complicated, you will hate that fucker and it's no bueno and it just kind of puts you in a spot you don't want to be in when you're trying to have a fluid and flowing investigation. And so in a, in addition to this, I actually have a big tip. I learned this from some source. I can't remember now. But I one of the things you definitely want to do, especially if you keep one stationary or keep one close to you is if, for example, you sneeze or cough or even shift in your sitting position or if you're in a chair that's not comfortable and you want to shift in the chair, it is wise to say uh, Venus sneezed or Venus, I'm shifting, Venus shifting because you're not always going to remember that, you know, at, at 1107, you moved in the chair and it made this creaking sound. And when you hear back later, after you know hours of the investigation gone on and you're tired or time has lapsed, you may not remember that 11.07 you shifted and then there was this creaking noise. You're like, oh my God, did you hear that? I think that was a real ghost. And in reality, it was you. So if you make a noise in the middle of your auto recording, I highly recommend you marking it by indicating what the noise was, that you made it, that someone else in your investigation team made it. You know, husband Jeff sneezed, husband Jeff coughed, you know, just so you don't accidentally think that you recorded something bonafide and it wasn't true. In fact, uh, one of my 
one of my most interesting experiences in Virginia City. We were at the Mackey or McKay Mansion. Um, there's several ways of pronouncing it, but of course I can't for the life of me pronounce it the correct way. We were in the dining room, and anybody who's been in this mansion knows that the dining room's on the ground floor. And the opening door to the hall leads uh, it's like the hall and then there's this lovely staircase and we heard the very distinctive sounds of footsteps coming down and i say you hear this very clearly someone's coming down the steps and would you believe there was nothing there was no physical human body coming down the steps but whatever it was we heard it the store the the floors creaking the steps creaking as it came down and then we hear the door to the front of the mansion because it's not on the street. It's actually towards the garden. The door opened. So I, I, I either say uh, we're about to have guests or somebody's coming down because we can hear the floor creaking, the steps creaking. And, I mean, you just hear us just kind of astonished because we're anticipating real life people and in reality what we got was an experience to remember that moment so anywho again tag any noises that you know for a fact that you or someone in your team member made okay so moving on from audio recording let's talk cameras first and foremost you're just going to want a standard digital camera you I can't tell you how many times I have seen, oh my God, let me show you the picture we caught. And even on our cell phones, the photo, the, the, the camera on our phones, pho- cell phones. So, I mean, standing in one corner, click, 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 you know, taking pictures, multiple pictures in the span of the room. And you may not see the shadow standing in the corner, but your camera will. So a, a simple standard no frills, digital camera, even, I mean, I don't do think they develop film as much these days, but, or sell film as much these days either. But yes, definitely, definitely a standard no frills camera and, you know, even your cell phone. Now, let's talk video cameras. You're going to want one especially if you're doing any type of investigations at night with night vision. So obviously you want a video camera with night vision across the board. Again, same concept. When you're doing a sweep of the room with the camera using the night vision, you can sometimes catch things with your, that you can't catch with your naked eye or you, you're too busy focused on something else. You don't even see that the camera had picked it up. So, and again, the awesome thing about both types of cameras, you may not have caught it while you're shooting the camera, but when you go to review or re- play back the video, you will definitely see whatever image was picked up. Now, another type of camera I do recommend are actually motion sensor cameras. Okay, so let's just say there are a few of you, but you have more rooms than people. Uh, but... You want to gather as much evidence as possible during the course of your investigation. So place a few of these cameras 
in the rooms that you either can't get to or you're going to eventually get to. And as you're moving along in the investigation, you could just simply rotate out the motion sensor cameras. I personally have two. I've not had the opportunity to use them. Like I said, I've not gone on a ghost hunt recently, but I got them for my birthday and fingers crossed they will be Super Bowl. Super Bowl. They will be super reliable when I get the opportunity. And uh, they, as I said before, they were a birthday gift that were found on Amazon. Now, another tool that I do use and I do actually recommend is an EMF reader. EMF means electric and magnetic fields. And so we're talking electrical devices, TV, the, the recording device, laptops, even cell phones can, can give off an electrical field. Computers. So, I mean, we tend to see these issues or tend to have these issues more in buildings that are still operable, if you will. So in abandoned buildings, maybe not as much because these things can kind of interfere with our investigation. But I personally have the K2. I know that there are a variety of styles. There's, you know, the triple trifecta, wada, wada, wada out there. To me, the standard K2 is perfect. I've had it for years. I personally feel it's sufficient for me. I truly believe that we've had some very good and very valid experiences with it. I mean, like actual contact with spirits. And I mean, granted, there are more sophisticated ones out there, but like anything else, you do your research and you use what you're comfortable with. Because again, if shit starts malfunctioning, it really ruins the mood, really ruins, you know, your passion for the investigation. And, you know, when we, when we find these places, sometimes we have to wait weeks, months to even get in the door to do the investigation. And of course, we would want everything to be comfortable with our, we would want to be comfortable with our equipment, but our equipment actually working. Now, speaking of contacts with spirits, I'm just going to say, I sometimes will use an app on my phone as well. And hence, this is the reason why I mentioned earlier, you know, using your, your phone as the only source of lighting might not be the best. But for me, I do have the Green Ghost Radar Connect. It's an older one. It's, it's one that I've had for years. I don't know if it's still available, but I do use it. I know a lot of people have issues with phone apps, but I have had a very personal, interesting incident with it, and I'm willing to keep it open mind about it simply because of what happened. Plus, as odd as it sounds, the app will turn itself on and just start pinging all these energies around the room. It's as if, to me, suddenly there's an influx of spirits and energy in the room, whereas that wasn't always the case. And, you know, that was one of the things I had pointed out in last week's episode was that the things that I see in my house is not as consistent. There's, it comes and it goes. 
I, I do think that the youthful energy that sometimes is in my house tends to bring them more. But I don't know. Um, I just know that there seems to be more activity when I have teenagers in my house than when I don't. But maybe that's just just me because I'm more alert to, you know, all the energies of the human beings in my house. I don't know. But either way, ever since this very curious incident, even though I, I am slightly skeptical, I still have a sincere belief that this is potentially a valid app. But again, you you want to use what you're comfortable with. I, I cannot stress that enough. Now, there are other ghost apps out there, but for me, the only one that I've ever recommended is the Green Ghost app Radar Connect. Now, let's talk about other forms of communicating with ghosts or other entities in, in, on the property. So let's talk dowsing rods. I have personally seen in the investigation of the boys' home a woman using her dowsing rod, and it seemed as if she was making a very firm and valid contact with some entity. She was very good at asking the right questions, getting down to the information. And again, this is where paper and pen come in when you're like, does your name start with A, B, C, you know, Again, it can be a slow process, but the more experience you have and asking very direct questions, the better you become at getting the information kind of quickly. And just so you understand, people have been using dowsing rod to find water and, you know, these types of uh, rods have been in use for people to connect to the other side for thousands of years. I mean, even looking for water using these has been a practice for thousands of years. And apparently, people have often used them to find unmarked graves, to connect with the spirit world, to determine the sex of a pregnant woman's baby, and again, making contact with ghosts or kind of learning some additional information that the spirits are willing to provide using the dowsing rods. Now, one of the key things to remember, aside from being, you know, sharpening your, your dowsing rod questioning skills, is that dowsing rods are very specific to one person's energy. So a couple of years ago, husband Jeff had purchased a set of dowsing rods, and we were told when he purchased them, you know, these are yours, you need to keep your energy, you know, with this and keep it away from other people because other people touching it could potentially cause, you know, disruption in the energy flow. So you want to be in tune with your dowsing rods if you choose to use them. Don't let anybody touch them. Keep your, you know, energy focused with your rods. And you have to use them. You have to, you know, have the energy be there for the use now on the more technological side let's talk infrared thermal imaging camera now who can forget the ghost figures ghost hunters would catch on these fucking awesome things i mean 
I remember watching Ghost Hunters because I, I actually did enjoy the show. And I was like, damn, I totally want one of those. And, of course, when I first started looking around, that kind of camera, that the infrared thermal imaging camera was in the ballpark of something like 1700 and just in the, the price went up from there. And obviously the prices have come down considerably, but it's still pretty pricey, especially with a lot of the things that are going on today. It's not necessarily an arm and a leg pricey, but it's like a hand pricey. So it's still up there, but nothing in the ballpark of, you know, 1700 because of technology, the advances of technology. Either way, the point is, and, and the purpose of these infrared thermal imaging cameras is that these bad boys detect temperature anomalies. And if you happen to catch a temperature anomaly in the shape of an entity that is not human, that is amazing evidence. I mean... I don't remember which episode I remember seeing ghost hunters catching, you know, that dark image in the, in the form of a, of a person's uh, ghost. But damn, it was pretty impressive. And again, it just adds on to the collected evidence that you have for your investigation. Now, since then, of course, technology has gotten pretty curious. Let's talk about the Kinsec SLS camera. Connect. I'm, I'm probably, again, mispronouncing it. But this thing, I, I first saw it on Ghost Brothers, who I absolutely love. I totally enjoy these guys. And I was just like, what is that amazing thing? So let's talk about this camera. The Connect camera starts with a K, K I N E C T. So obviously you could tell why I'm having a little problem with it. Anyways, this camera was originally intended to track human movement for an Xbox video game. Basically, it was an accessory for the Xbox. And it would track the movements by projecting infrared light and measuring the response with a monochrome CMOS sensor. And as a response, the camera basically creates the stick figure, kid stick figure, the three-year-old draws, that's mommy, that's daddy. And it shows their movements in the form of a stick figure that we, with our naked eye, would not normally be able to see. So, this particular camera detects human shapes and movements that we, again, like I said, with our naked eye, would not be able to pick up. And, again, it's like a three-year-old stick figure moving on the screen. Now, you're not going to see, like, actual features, like a real hand or a face or hair, but you... You get the point. I mean, we all know what a stick figure looks like. So you know, you could see the ghosts or the entity or the stick figure moving. And the cool thing is, it, you know, it, if it's if it's valid, if it's if it's you know doing the thing that we believe it is doing, then we know that there is an entity in the room with us, or in the hall, or in, to some degree in in the vicinity. And that gives us 
the opportunity and the knowledge that we now can communicate with this thing instead of just guessing in the room in the dark with our audio digital camera wondering if there's any spirits with us. I mean, that's one of the questions we ask. Now, like I said before, the first time I ever saw it was on Ghost Brothers. And I was like, damn, this bunny needs that. And the price has come down a little bit. It has come down a little bit. And apparently there was this thing on Ghost Adventures. I don't really watch the show. There's a lot of reasons why. But apparently in one of their episodes, they were using this camera. And during an episode of the Ptolemy Hospital, there was the stick figure that apparently looked like it was a surgeon performing surgery over like a hospital bed. So, I mean, again, everyone has their own preference as to what show they prefer. And I was just blown away when I saw it on Ghostbusters. But here's the clincher. This camera will only pick up human shapes. So if you suspect there's a ghost cat or a ghost dog, it will not pick up that shape. And... I do believe there are ghost dogs and ghost cats and other animals that have not moved on. Their entities can linger as well. Now, the hope is one of these days I'm going to piece together enough money to buy one of these babies for myself, but we'll see. Now, other equipment that's out there, one is the REM pod. For me, the REM pod is just a louder and flashier version of the EMF reader. You know, they have them in so much shapes these days. Teddy bears and baby dolls and firefighter trucks. And and the part of the reason is to look attractive to any entity that might be like, oh my God, there's a teddy bear. Oh, I miss a teddy bear. And, And then have the entity come close and trigger these sensors. But again, to me, a REM pod, it's just a K2 meter. But, again, do your research, use what you're comfortable with. Let's talk spirit box. Now, there's been some controversy about spirit boxes. Again, it's like just like the ghost app on the phone. Some people think it's not true. Other people think it works. Some people rely on it as a significant piece of their equipment for their investigations. And I... I I don't have a whole lot of experience with one. I don't own one. So I'm just going to talk about it. What a spirit box does, it basically goes through a the AM and FM channels at a rate you can set for you. And the idea is that ghosts kind of hearing a clear channel, their voice will come through. And that way, you can hear them. It's almost like they're speaking through the box. And the the goal is, is that if a EVP, which is an electronic voice phenomenon, the, the ghost voice is coming through, is if it comes through, it's authentic simply because it went through the ghost box, goes through all these channels. There's no interference to make it fake, basically. Now, 
with that in mind, it's believed that if you can hear a ghost speaking through, it's authentic. Now, to me, it's kind of like, do you ever see the movie Poltergeist? And Carol Ann is talking to the white noise of the TV. You know, in America, at 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock at night, they would sound off, they would play the national anthem, and all the channels would shut off at a designated time. I think it was 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, in the movie, the little girl who the ghosts reach out to, but we don't really know this until a little bit later, she goes to the TV and she turns it on to, or she goes, because it's the static white noise, she's talking to it, and then even later in the movie, she'll change the channel to the white noise again so she can hear them more clearly because there's no interference from the other channels that are being used. So to me, the spirit box uses the white noise of the channel just like the spirit box uses the white noise of the radio frequencies. Now, I have seen people use them. Again, I don't have much personal experiences, and it's one of those things. You can buy one and see how it goes for you. If it's something that seems to be authentic to you, then obviously that's another equipment for your investigation. Which now brings us to the Ovulus Ghost Box. Again, this is another way to communicate with ghosts, but it doesn't work like a spirit box or an audio recorder. It actually basically has the ghost speak directly through the box. So there's no radio searching all the frequencies to you know weed out any potential contamination from other radio frequencies. And it's direct. And... Some of them, or I think all of them, have the capability of, so if it says the word Betty, like, you know, Betty Rebel, the word Betty will show up on its screen. Last time I checked, you're looking at a ballpark of a thousand bucks. I don't, I don't, you know, again, with the price of absolutely everything these days, I personally am not ready to invest in something like that, but... You know, who knows? Maybe that's something you're comfortable with or you've had experiences from someone else's uh, ghost box. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I think it's authentic. And again, it's all about what you're comfortable using to make your ghost investigation go smoothly and to gather as much information and evidence as possible using all of these equipments. Now, one of the things I want to mention these are just side tips before you begin the investigation before you go into the building in the very beginning it to me we did this for the boys home we said a, a prayer we asked for the white light to protect us and then when we were getting ready to leave when our investigation was over we said another prayer we continued to ask and thank the white light for protection Said a little prayer to St. Michael. And the other thing we did was we said to the entities that may have been hanging around us, we were very direct and we said to them, you do not have permission to follow me home. 
you need to stay here. You do not have permission to get in my car. You do not have permission to see me, you know, find me later. You are to stay here. And then you kind of like close the prayer. It's like using a Ouija board. You open up the session. You need to say goodbye when you sweep the Ouija board close to close out that session. Same concept. And I, so far, haven't had a lot of problems that I'm aware of. (laughs) But, again, everyone has their own unique experiences. Other things to consider, extra things to consider, if you will. If you have more than one team, obviously, I would recommend bringing two-way radios. Also, use a measuring tape for evidence collections. You never know. If you catch something here and you're not sure and you want to take measurements, like could it possibly have been this, could it have been possibly been that, whatever, whatever, a measuring tape might help. Don't wear perfume. Easy on the, on the, on the aerosol spray for deodorant. The reason why I say this is because sometimes entities show themselves in the form of their favorite smell or a smell that they think that you would be familiar with. And if you're wearing perfume, you're contaminating that type of evidence. So no perfume and easy on the deodorant. You also want to have a small toolkit. You never know. You may have to fix something, adjust something. Something falls or you want to fix, you know, something in your equipment. And especially if you're going to the older buildings where they have asbestos or a lot of flying debris, you know, just, or if it's windy, um, you may want to consider carrying an extra pair of eyeglass gear and masks so that you don't have any health issues down the, down the line. All right. So we touched on a lot of things and, you know, I, I mean, if you do go out on a ghost adventure and have an amazing experience, I actually would love, absolutely love to hear all about it. And, you know, obviously just send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com, which brings us to, if you have a topic that you would like us to someday cover or, you know, other things you'd like to discuss. Send us an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. And we have our Facebook page. Normally I say that first. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. If you are interested or curious and like to join, just send us a request. But until next time, please remember there's only the few that can find the beauty in the darkness and in ghost hunting experiences. So we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. And just so you understand, people have been using dowsing rod for water, water, water dowsing rods. 